Ladies and gentlemen, this is entitled Weekend. Welcome, Ladies and gentlemen. This is entitled Weekend. And welcome back to Entitled Weekend. We have just came back from our retirement and uh, we're, we're tired of spending time with our kids and, and our, our sexy hot wife. So we're here just doing a podcast. No, that, that's the next best thing, obviously. Um, it's Shaq here with Bill and Dan and Mark. And you know what? What a terrible offseason this has been. These last five days have been absolutely the worst days I could ever imagine. I mean, 9-11, you know, Saddam Hussein, you know, the war in the Gulf, they don't compare to this offseason. It's unbelievable. I mean, how how, how bad has this offseason been, you guys? I mean, where does this compare to you as far as, you know, epic disasters in American history? I am right downwind from Gillette Stadium. And I can smell the stink of the coaching staff. I need to but get my canoe and row up the roads filled with urine from the peeing of pants that must be happening at one Patriot place because the all-world quarterbacks have arrived in the AFC. And we are all required to bow to them. And we are going to be the nail to the hammer of these elite quarterbacks for, you know, a decade to come. It is, you know, akin to an asteroid hitting the earth. Everything is over. Life is miserable. And I might never love again. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much, uh, it's, it's, it's the worst thing that could ever happen. I mean, Dan, look, we, we, we knew this going in, right? We knew that this was going to be bad, but I mean, my goodness, uh, Seriously, though, has there ever been a bad, a worst week? I know that, you know, just looking at the reaction on Twitter, I know Twitter is only one social media platform, and I haven't been on the others, and I probably won't, but I know Twitter is a small sample size, but this small sample size, there's a lot of loud voices, and in these loud voices, you have people who are just absolutely adamant that the Patriots have done nothing even even though the contrary is the Patriots have done what they've always done. But this, this I, I believe this entire circle of, of, of media people just wanting to hammer on the fact that, well, last year the Patriots overpaid everybody, but now the Patriots are not spending a dime. They're, you know, they're looking at Dollar Tree trying to, trying to buy the, the knockoffs. How bad is this? Well, <clears throat> I hate to break it to you guys, but this is this is the worst. I don't I don't know if you knew that, but I was on Instagram. When I'm on Instagram, and the comments are bad. We've we've reached all time lows for uh, Pat's Nation here. But um, <clears throat> honestly, like, what are we doing? Like, it, the whole the whole we're in this cyclical response game right now. With this is what Bill's always done. Well, that was Brady. It was different. Or this is what, well, the league has changed. You got it. It's all about firepower. It's all about weapons with a Z. 
it's it's all about <laughs> you got to spend the money because cap is crap, which we can get into that. And that that is a hour long conversation by itself. But I think a, a part of the problem is we are all spoiled last off season. Uh, I think we all witnessed a very, you know, as Shaq put it, it, it was an anomaly. It was atypical. And now it was almost expected for this one to be a big bang, even though we knew going in the cap was much less, considerably less. And they had just a rehaul last season in a, in a probably lower buyer's market. And those contracts now actually look pretty good with some of the contracts we've been seeing, like Christian Kirk getting paid out the ass by the Jags. Um, and now it's more like, oh, Bill's going back to his old ways. He's probably just being smart right now. And I think a lot of it has to do with Mac getting used to the same players. Why do you want to bring in a whole new set of players with a guy going into a second year? I know that's what everybody wants. You want the, the WR1s, you know, the you want multiple wide receiver ones. You want, um, oh, now our offensive line is only three offensive line. Shout out Ben Volan. Um, just all these takes right now. It's March. It is March. And everyone's acting like, you know, basically a child right now, like waiting for his happy meal at the drive-thru because you went to a drive-thru and now you have to wait an extra 10 minutes. Like just, just wait. It, this, this, this goes on for a long time. I mean, this is going to go through the draft. There's going to be pieces that could be traded for during the draft. I mean, we could do all the speculation in the world. I have no idea what their plan is, but I do know that they, they have an inkling of what they're talking about compared to everyone on Twitter that has this opinion that they won't spend a dime. So I could go on and on if I, you know. Yeah, Pat's fan 669 is definitely more qualified to run, a, run an organization than Bill Belichick. He of eight Super Bowls. Uh, Mark, <laughs> you're, you're the newbie here, but I think you're not, you're used to the fact of idiots being idiots. And you know, again, Twitter is just the, is the culmination of this, but I'm just really astounded by the, the apps. And it seems like it's in lockstep. Everyone is saying the exact same thing. And there's only a handful of people, unfortunately, like the four of us, like the people who are listening, who actually see what's going on and understand what's been going on. But what do you think? I mean, is this, or are we are we really the ones that are stupid, or is it, or is it everyone else? I mean, it, it's worse than ever, uh, especially on Twitter. It, it, the the takes are worse than ever. Um, I actually, it, it's so bad that I took Tom Brady's place in retirement. Uh, Tom Brady unretired, going back to the NFL. I I have retired uh, from offering Patriots related discourse on Twitter because of the fact that it invites. Patriots fan 669 into my mentions. We were talking offline before we started recording. What set me over the edge was I, I sent a tweet earlier this week saying, listen, you guys cannot possibly be upset over signing Terrence Mitchell. He's a depth cornerback who's cheap. Like ooh, how can ooh, you possibly. that? Yeah. And I immediately had someone respond to me going, you cannot possibly think he's a, a CB one. I was like, can you reread my tweet, please? Can, can you please read where I said that? I literally said depth. In order for there to be over the, in order for there to see, be a CB one, there has to be a two, three, and a four. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was like, you know what? I can't even I can't even offer basic 
you know, calm down sentiments without people jumping down my throat and saying, Bill is cheap. Kraft is cheap. Kraft is laundering money. He's probably paying all those people from the, the, uh, the massage parlors and can't pay for a team. Like, you know what? At least until draft time, I'm retired from offering even remotely sane takes because uh, it, it really is everyone else. I promise you it's not us. Uh, it, it's not us at all. No, and I love Dan's sentiment on the drive through I think that's a really great one, but I would take it a step further, Dan. I think you're giving them too much credit thinking that they're human. They're the dog in the car waiting for the pup cup. They got a pup cup one time, and now every drive through even if it's not a Starbucks, they're like, oh, I get the whipped cream in a cup, right? Like, that's happening right now. That's what's happening this year. And what people are neglecting to understand is that they the Patriots met the market last year. What they needed was they needed tight ends and they needed a pass rusher. Those come at a premium. They were premier players at those positions. They went out and got them. This year, they need corner. They need offensive line. And they could add a wide receiver. I'm not like team WR1, but I, I, they could add a wide receiver. But there's ways to do that without it being the incessant whining. And so what they're doing here is who besides J.C. Jackson that's an impact corner has signed. There are players out there that are available that can representatively serve that purpose. And if you're improving at other positions, the whole of the parts is greater than the individual piece. And that's no disrespect to a JC Jackson who deserves every dollar he got and going off to LA and going to the chargers. But we're not in a position where we need to be spending on the premium. They're waiting because they know the prices are going to come down. They're going to find the right pieces at the right time and test out who fit so that when they have like 50 plus million dollars in cap space next year, they can add impact to those players that were the right fit based on what they were able to assess during the season. But again, I'll probably be attacked on Twitter, Mark, as you said, because you know that's a, a logical human take and not, you know, you know, not serving as, you know, the Vienna of, or the Venice rather of, um, you know, Foxborough on my gondola, you know, floating through piss. And Mark, I wish I had your self-restraint because even though I, I, I'm trying to lay off a little bit and especially the last week has really sent me over the edge as far as these takes are concerned. I mean, there's, I don't know, there's always something that happens you know, whether it's breaking news or something. And then there's always immediate who comments on it as an indictment, as if it's an indictment on the Patriots. Um, like, for example, I mean, I don't know who, who was worse uh, this week. Uh, I mean, we, we, can, we can be here for two hours talking about specific tweets and we'll get to one specific one that happened just in the last couple of hours that uh, had everybody talking. But uh, there was a certain, even when it doesn't have anything to do with the Patriots, like Andrew Callahan tweeting uh, after Devontae Adams goes to the Raiders for an unbelievable deal, a lot of money. Uh, Josh McDaniels was so sick of the game planning without a number one wide receiver. He traded for the number one wide receiver in the whole league less than two months on the job. First of all, I didn't know he was also made the GM, which is, that's interesting. He got, a, he got an extra job. And then where did he say this? <laughs> Is this is this like this is made up because he did not say this out of his mouth physically. I did not hear that. So, I mean, what is it for the all the team beat writers in Boston covering the most successful NFL team in the salary cap? Why do they have to be trolls? Why? I mean, 
the radio idiots, we know that that's what they do. But why are you doing it as a writer? So I, I have a take on this. Um, and I think my, my opinion when it comes to the, the people who cover the team is they don't want to put the work in. They want instant platform. They want you know instant uh, gratification. They don't want to do what Mike Reese did, which was, you know, start at, at, at a paper, write, uh, uh, you know, a, a column, uh, you know, you know, work your way to ESPN Boston, become very trusted. Uh, you know, it, it took him a long time to get a, you know, a, a, a platform that, you know, people are, you know, so many people following him on social media and uh, people rely on him to, you know, provide news and valuable insight. People don't want to have to wait for that. They want to, like, I just got hired by the Boston Herald. Let me put some takes out there uh, mixed with news and, uh, and get a lot of clicks uh, and, and you know, drive engagement that way. They, they don't want to be patient and, you know, and really just do their job, which is to cover the team. They, they're just like, well, I need to outtake the other guy. That's honestly what I think it is. Yeah, it's the take sandwich. It's absolutely asinine take here, a little bit of info, and then absolutely asinine take to finish it. <laughs> it's the take sandwich. So, you know, and then the fans are eager to eat it up because they, they're already feel the media knows what they're doing. They already know that the fans feel this way. And so they're going to just give them what they're give, give the fans what they want, feed their feed their appetite for wanting to be mad at Bill Belichick, for wanting to be mad at Kraft. And, you know, there's a lot of anti-Semitism going out around there, too, talking about, oh, well, if Bill Belichick doesn't want to spend the money. Well, then what's holding him up? It can't be. Oh, is, is it is it the owner holding him up? So that's a, that's a lot of anti-Semitism that I seem to notice around some of these commentaries around the money and how it, what's what's going on. But also, they, they it's they they I, I feel like they're addicted to the 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 clickbait, and once they get get that first whiff of it, you know, like when you smell like you, know, you remember those color when you were a kid, those color markers that smell like blue raspberry and cherry. You know, once you get a whiff of it. You're like, mm, I don't want to eat this, but mm, it smells good. I got to get some more. You know, it, it feels like that. Dan, I mean, we, we can go on and on with, with all the people who, who've, who've, you know, we don't, the, the Ben Vollens, I mean, those are the obvious ones. You know, he wears mittens, you know, and he eats, eats with them. So we don't have to deal with that. But just these idiots who, who thrive on, on fans' agita and fans' need to we need wanting to be upset yeah i think um mark actually um took one of my thoughts and, and made it sound so much clearer than i could have but um i i had the same feeling watching what went down with um evan today which was you know other guys that have an opinion on the patriots and on what they're doing and inject that into their quote unquote journalism or whatever you call it. Um, some of those guys have done it for so long that it's sort of like, yeah, they earned that a little bit. They, they can have an opinion because they've seen it for so long. That's fair. But for somebody so young and trying to come up in the, the industry, I just find it so disrespectful. I mean, not that we have to, I'm not one of these people that, you know, I heard a lot of like, Oh, you, you just like to suck Bill's dick all the time. It's like, um, I love Bill. I love shirtless pics of Bill Belichick if I see them, but I'm, I'm First just track, saying, baby. yeah, just 
just give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if we're going to talk about that, like I've heard a lot of people today say, give Evan the benefit of the doubt and we can get into the, the you know, the full thing. What has he done to bit. earn that? What has he done? Exactly. What to has he done? I don't even know what CLNS is. I thought that was like a syndrome. <laughs> it, it doesn't even, I don't know what it is. And, and uh, yeah, it's some. I know L O L O N S. That was an old old school rap group from Buster Rhymes, but that's that's all I know about it. And actually, I've seen some other folks that are from that media group, and they're actually nice people. So I don't know if this is more like he grew a following to the point where he felt like he could get away with saying this stuff, and it finally all started catching up with him. But you know, there's guys like Bowen who we've talked about a million times with Bowen is he doesn't block you, he mutes you because he knows the engagement. Is the only thing he has, even if it's garbage. Uh, he he knows that he gets clicks, he gets something, some kind of interaction. Um, and then it, it, there's just different levels of shitty, I guess you could like. It's not like unless it's Mike Reese, who's sort of like the gold standard. And then I'd say after that, you got like guys like Jeff Howe, and, and, and then from there, it just there's this huge like <clears throat> 500 foot gap. And then it gets to guys like Mark Daniels, who I'll give a little bit. Like, I think he's somewhat okay sometimes. But then after that, it just, it's, oh, we're in the bowels of a fucking hippopotamus after that. Like, it's, it's bad. It's just, it's just gross. And, and I think this offseason was what they were all waiting for. Like, the, just to see how, <laughs> how happy they get, like, dancing on quote unquote graves, which, what, what grave are we dancing on right now? This, this, you know, I, I've heard so many times this is the end of the Patriots. This is it. And now people are saying this offseason is this is they're they're so far in the totem pole. They're so far behind in the pack at the AFC. There's no recovering from this. It's like, how many times have we heard this? And yes, there was Brady before, but you've given Belichick and his group literally less than two seasons to make a judgment on if he can do this. And he's already went to the playoffs last year. And people said that was that was just a playoff appearance. He didn't even win one. How many? Do you know how many franchises are still waiting for that? Like, it's insane. And I think a lot of people, and, and I want to, what, what Mark brought up too, which is a great point, is, you know, also the fans of these people, like Evan's followers and stuff like that, <clears throat> where I think there's two different categories there of these fans, which is folks who like live and die by every word they say. And I think there's an even dumber version of that that is its own species, which is people who literally just read headlines. And they're just playing this game of telephone through everything that they've read or heard and everything like that. And they kind of process it into this really mushy, like they can't even, they can't even, you know, basically speak about what they've heard and see, they just kind of pick up little pieces and things and then take that as truth. And it, the same thing goes with everything in our country, politics, COVID, every, like we could go on and on. Like people like to take little nuggets of information without looking at the sources, without looking if they even have a source, <clears throat> Evan, um, without looking at, you know, both sides of it and forming their own opinion is just, it doesn't happen as much. And I think that's where we are. Like where I, I hate to talk about ourselves and, you know, gloat, but I think we do a good job of, I mean, we're a little biased. I'll, come on, let's be honest. We're a little biased here. Everyone's we're, biased almost, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have a bias, but where I think there's almost like anti-media to an, a fault. And I think there's also pro-media to a fault. 
and you have to go somewhere in the middle and form your own opinion. And I think that's where a lot of the more normal fans lie is they don't take anyone's one word as a gold standard. But if you've done years of accurate reporting, like Mike Reese has, you've earned that. You've earned that. And there's been very few, I can't even think off the top of my head where he's been wrong, but he also does, that's not his thing. He's not trying to go out on a limb to be the first to break the news story unless he's certain. And I just, I just think we're, we're in 2022 and, and it's all about being the first, even if you're so wrong. I mean, look at all those fake insiders. I mean, where do people just, and there's people that like that and take it as, take that as gospel. So we're, we're so far, this is like the deep web where we're just like, we're so far into it. And there's so much shit that's like wrong that how do we, how do we get out of this? And, and the truth is we can't because there's always going to be dumb, shitty people in every fan base and every group, whatever demographic, whatever. And, and in our case, our geographic location, even fans outside, there's always going to be dumb, shitty people. And that's just the way you look at it. I, I don't fault some of these people. I think they're just too dumb. And I, and, and, and some of these people I just think are just fucking assholes. And I think they, they're, we get a, a bunch of these people who are Bucks fans that are coming back to make comments on moves. It's like, where, where do you get off? Get the fuck out of here. Go back to trashy strip clubs, Central America. Like, I, I don't give a shit about your opinion anymore. You left. So it's just a big cesspool right now. Yeah. And I think you hit on a lot of the key points to it all, Dan, and what, what the difference is right now and the difference between sort of like having faith in Belichick crafting a roster versus having faith in the hot media darling of the day or the, you know, you know, the spike kings of the world or what have you. And what it comes down to is people who are really going to say, I trust Belichick more than I trust any of the shit out here are the people that are saying, I trust 20 plus years of success over some busted source that you've dragged out of the woodwork. And it's, it's not to say that sometimes they're not going to be right, but it's to say more often than not, Bill Belichick is going to be in the right. It's to say that more often than not, the scoreboard, we're already way ahead if we've been following Belichick for 20 years, because he's been chalking up dubs again and again and again in the personnel department, in decision-making, coaching choices, et cetera, to the point where you famously know his mistakes. And that's what people misunderstand when they're like, oh, look at these, look at this draft. This draft was terrible. Yeah, okay, fair. He had a bad draft in 2014 or what a 15, whatever. Fair. Or he had like two drafts that weren't super strong back to back. And it's like, you realize he's been doing this for 20 years, right? So if he's missed on even four or five drafts over 20 years, he has a 75% success rate on drafting. That's unheard of in a 20-year span. Most teams do not have that. And if you look at any team's 20-year span, you're going to see some sewage in there. That's just the nature of the game. So he's, you know, time and again, he's proven to, to people that they should have the faith in him. And it's absurd that people are trying to equate, oh, well, you're, you know, you said, Joe, you suck, you're sucking Bill's dick, whatever. Like, I'm going to trust the guy who has been on the winning side more often than not over the people that are trying to dispute his model. And eventually there will be times where Bill is wrong and eventually he will, you know, put together a team or he'll retire and he'll put, to, or he'll put together a team that aren't super strong. 
And when that happens, people are going to take a victory lap like they predicted it when they've been predicting it 20 different times, 20 different ways for 20 different reasons. And they're going to ask you to ignore the 95% of the time they were wrong to celebrate the 5% they were right. And most people will follow that because that's what's going to take get clicks on Twitter. And that's the most upsetting part of the whole thing is that we are now in a model where we have been so spoiled by the success on the field that we are looking for holes in everything that was good. We're looking to bastardize what has happened, the success we've had over the past 20 years by saying, oh, well, you know what? We haven't enjoyed a big free agency. We deserve a couple of those in a row. Or, oh, we haven't, you know, this is a rebuild. That's a really exciting thing. And it is. But we're saying a rebuild is exciting, you know, for a year or two until we should go back to winning three back-to-back Super Bowl championships or, you know, winning three out of four. Because if we're not doing that, then, then we're, we suck. And that's just, it's the entitled town, entitled weekend, entitled podcast network set up here. It's the whole reason that this exists is that we have the most entitled, spoiled fan base. And there are amazing fans of the Patriots. And I love a lot of the fans. And there are the cesspool fans who any ounce of resistance are just, you know, get out the high rise jeans, get just, you're doomed. Everything is over. The sky is falling. Chicken little chicken shit. It's irritating as hell. And it makes some of, you know, it's the Patino entrance from from Entitletown. It makes the best sports city in the world lousy. And you you said something that someone brought up today that I, I couldn't even believe they said, which was, you know, it's not fair that Bill is is um, <clears throat> not doing this for the fans. Like, he, he's not, um, to your point, it's a disservice to the fans because he's not making splashes. He's, he owes you nothing. He owes you to win games. Don't, the, one has nothing to do with the other. Yeah, sometimes it does help, but – his job is to win football games. It's not to impress you with some signings that you put on your wet dream Madden wish list. Like it, it has nothing to do with, he doesn't have to give you shit. And that, and that, this is where it comes down to respect is like, where did, I mean, and back to entitled it's yeah, we, I thought we were all entitled because of winning. Now it's we're entitled because we need, we need big name her to him signings. It's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love a great big signing, just like everybody else that makes a big splash and we all can, you know, be a Randy from South Park, creaming our pants all over the room. But it, it has nothing to do. It's not a one-to-one equation where it says, if you sign this many people, you're, I mean, look at last year. We made the playoffs. Great. You didn't win the Super Bowl because you had a big offseason. It doesn't always work that way. And then I hear, you know, the cap is crap stuff. And people don't understand what kicking the can down the road does. Well, the Saints do it all the time. What have the Saints done in 12 years? What are we doing? Oh, you want to just keep showing up to the playoffs like every other year, but you're not actually winning a championship? Sure. If you want that, go by all means, go go to New Orleans and, <laughs> and be a fan there. I don't give a shit. Like, this, this is all, like, and back to disinformation and, and – in, in the cesspool just people just want to believe that why aren't the Patriots realizing that the cap is crap and we could just win a championship if we just give everybody all the money it's it, it's absurd like do you stop for a second 
to realize what you're saying? No, probably not. Like you're probably eating paint chips too, but whatever. Yeah. You, you guys have made some fantastic points uh, and you've summed up a lot of what I was thinking. The only thing that I'll add is, yeah, I'll admit full on I'm biased, uh, but there's different types of biases that I think people don't realize. There is blind laundry bias. Uh, and I, I have a friend of mine, I won't name him uh, for anonymity's sake, but he's a massive Sacramento Kings fan, which means he has experienced no joy in his entire life. Uh, and my friend, he, he will defend to the death every single move that the Sacramento Kings make. And they, again, have not made the playoffs in like 15 years. Uh, like he defends everything. You guys don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, that is blind laundry bias where you are not thinking with logic. I, on the other hand, I am biased towards what Bill Belichick does based on his track record. I am biased in thinking that, yes, this man is right 90% of the time, probably, when it comes to roster moves. That might be selling him a little bit short, honestly. It's probably higher than 90%. Uh, he is the greatest roster builder and uh, and you know and and coach and you know talent evaluator in the history of the National Football League. And when he decides to let someone walk, in the case of J.C. Jackson, he's usually right. Doesn't mean the guy's a bad player, but he's right to let him go because of what he's looking to build for his team. So yeah, I am biased because the man is right. He's at worst an A minus, most likely an A in terms of how many times he is correct. So. I just I, I cannot stand when when fans just get on him constantly, who, again, when he became the head coach of the New England Patriots, they may have been in diapers. So the, the man knows more about football, has forgotten more about football, I'm sorry, than they will ever know. And it just it bothered me to no end. I, I, have, I mean, you guys, I had to write things down because I didn't want to forget to, to acknowledge all of your points because, I mean, you guys. Have hit home. I mean, I knew this would this would be a perfect day to do this, but, but I mean, you guys have hit home runs all all of you. Um, first of all, Dan, the point that you made about people not reading articles and and the lizard, who we'll get to in a moment, and then I want to move to uh, the actual moves that the Patriots have made and what they mean and what they entail. But I want to get to uh, the lizard and what the, the article that he wrote or well, article that, that he wrote on CLNS whatever about oh well it was it was something to the effect of and i'm paraphrasing oh the patriots may not have done what you wanted but blah 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 blah, blah. and all of the quote i mean the quote tweets are absolute aids talking about oh i knew belichick wouldn't do this i knew it he's this and he's that yeah did you <laughs> it, it's like what what indication has he given you to to to, to even assume this what what has there been to say that oh well he's not he's like you said he's not doing what is necessary for the team and and secondly no one's perfect humans aren't perfect we we all make mistakes and so for people to assume that that well Belichick is supposed to hit on every single thing on every single team all the time I mean you might as well just be might as well you know what I like to do a lot is I like to listen to I, I don't listen to Boston sports radio, because that that's, you know, that's cancer on your ears. But I do like to listen to sports radio of other of other cities like New York, for example. If you listen to WFAN and especially the old clips from uh, Joe and Evan, uh, Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts, they 
live in total ag agony over the Jets. I mean, every single thing is terrible. And it's true because they're right. It, the Jets have been Which is fair. Terrible. Which is yes. fair. Yes. And they're not just saying it just to say it. They're not saying it to be antagonistic or saying it to make the get ratings. They're saying it because it's true. And that's the difference between uh, – so I would recommend for those people who are, you know, having doubts and those people who are all oh, – maybe maybe you should go listen to another – maybe listen to another perspective from a, an opposing team or a team in the NFC and understand where, where they're coming from as far as team building. And then for the people who say, oh, well, but like you said, uh, Dan, oh, Belichick has to prove himself. Oh, Belichick has to, he has, he must win a Super Bowl without Brady. Or what? What happens if he doesn't? I don't ever get, I don't give, ever get an answer to that question. As if his accomplishments magically disappear if he retires without winning a Super Bowl without Brady. As if, as if nothing he's done has counted for anything. That's not going to happen. His eight rings that he has on, they stay on his finger. <laughs> nothing you say or nothing you do will affect his his success that's already been written so that's number one on that and then i want to get to this mark and i want to segue into roster building because it's march 19th as we're taping this march 19th so that's a few days into free agency the team isn't finished <laughs> this isn't the final product ladies and gentlemen i mean again i know i'm i'm, I'm preaching to the choir here but this this isn't this isn't like, well, these are the people we're going to, the people who are on the, the depth chart right now on Patriots.com are, are not the people who are going to be <laughs> starting come September 7th or 8th or when, whenever the first game is. And, and that's the same for every team. And so I want to get to the, the, uh, what the Patriots have done in this offseason and how it relates to roster building and what we might think the Patriots are, are going to attempt to do as as draft season SZN that season um, commences, and so just to recap what the Patriots have done, uh, they've re-signed Devin McCourty, James White, Jawan Bentley, Matthew Slater, Nick Folk, Brian Hoyer, James Ferentz, and Terrence Mitchell and Ty Montgomery. Those are the people who are coming in, and a lot of those are they're they're mostly keeping in keeping it in house. They're keeping it with the guys who the veterans who they know are, you know, are either leaders or they know that will we'll contribute in a major way in one or particular uh, uh, part of the franchise. Now, Chase Winovich was traded to the Browns in exchange for Mac Wilson. And, you know, that was apparently, that was the, the most horrific thing ever. And then the people who left, obviously JC Jackson, Ted Karras, Gunnar Olszewski, Brandon Bolden, Jakob Johnson, which, by the way, that was that was the worst one of, of them all, apparently, because, you know, a, a fullback is, you know, apparently Jakob Johnson was Lorenzo Neal in his prime. And then Shaq Mason, which, I mean, the Tobin was was flooding with people after that one. So uh, let's go around the table here. Uh, all those moves. What 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 is are you are you guys kind of falling in line with me or are you are you? seeing it differently as far as what I, I believe the Patriots are trying to do, which is build from within, keep guys who are leaders as so, so that they can lead Mac into, into 
at, at least producing well and at least getting a little bit more self-confidence in him because I think a lot of that was was probably taken in that playoff game. But I think bringing, bringing him back some of this, especially James White, which is, I think, my favorite signing of the offseason so far because he was, he was a difference maker in, 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 those, in those first initial games with Mac, and then he got hurt. And then, you know, Brandon Bolden, who did well in his stead, but, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't performing the way James White did in, that, in those first two games. But what do you guys think about, about all of these moves in the offseason and how it relates to where this team might go coming into the draft? I'll go. Well, yeah. honestly, I, I think, you know, they're playing money ball, which is fine by me. I'm, I'm totally fine with playing money ball, but I don't think it's just that. I think they're just being very smart and methodical about how they decide who to add to the team. Um, <clears throat> like I was saying before, I don't think people realize how many new people were on the team last year. And it's notorious and well-known that a lot of players take two years to get accustomed to the system, whether it's offensively or defensively. And yeah, they have more holes to fill this year. And I think they want to be very careful that they pick guys who can come into the system and play right away, depending on what it is, or they're more focused on adding depth because they have guys who are already in the system who are ready to take the leap to take a starting role or something like that. And I think they're making all the right decisions about, to your point, Shaq, about who to bring back. And there's nothing wrong with being careful and smart. If anything, they're one of the few teams actually doing that versus going out, giving up all their picks or going out and giving a six-year contract worth over $100 million to a guy who's 33 years old. I mean, just heaven forbid they don't go nuts and give people these Buku bucks contracts that you're seeing the Jags give or you're seeing. And, and the thing that's just blown my mind is, you know, when we talk about cap is crap, that's, that's one of the, you know, falsehoods that is being circulated nonstop. People don't even know what that means. They don't even know. They just believe it's an imaginary thing. Like it's not a real thing. Then, then why have it? Then why have it if it's not real? And two, the whole trade value thing, just, just now, and, and, and Mark brought it up, is Robert Woods just got traded to the Titans for a six-rounder. Can you imagine what Twitter looks like right now? <laughs> it is like a homeless person threw shit against the wall in a broken-down meth warehouse. It's, it's, it's disgusting, right? Everyone just slandering Bill, saying he's not going to see heaven, that he is cheap, that, wow, you know, miss, swing and a miss again. It's just like, did they even try to swing? Did they even care? You know, this guy just came off an injury. Do they even really want to take a flyer again on another guy who to them may not fit what they're trying to do or the system. It's another guy that Mac would have to build a rapport with who I think they're being very careful who that guy is. So if, if it is a true wide receiver one, if it is someone in the draft, to me, I think they're trending to what you're saying. I think they're going to do a lot more, you know, in terms of a farm system, they're going to do a lot about drafting, about trying to build a team from within versus what they had to do last offseason. And I think we've seen the formula for the majority of the last however many Super Bowls has been a team built with a lot of people from within with a sprinkle of 
free agent splashes. And I can think of multiple Patriots Super Bowl teams where that was the case. And yes, there was Brady and that's the, you know, the wild card factor, I guess. But I, I think they want to see, like, for instance, with a wide receiver in the draft, they may want to go with an Alabama guy who has a rapport with Mac. So it's a lot easier of a transition versus throwing more guys. I think we saw that last year. It took a while for it all to get up to speed. And then it broke down towards the end. And that's just facts. It did. And, and that happens with a lot of teams. But this was, I mean, you had Judon. You had uh, Hunter Henry, Jonas Smith. You had rookies in there. You had Barmore. You had Mac Jones, your rookie quarterback. You had Stevenson. I mean, Bourne, Aguilar. How many guys were new? And, and for people just to expect it all to work, it's like, it's amazing, honestly, that they even got to the playoffs last year. I'll be honest. Like, I was pleasantly surprised yeah that it was a bad game but to 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 get to that point i don't think people really comprehend and again you're going to get those guys who didn't have that big year everyone wanted they might make the leap this year like Jonu, i can totally see making a leap this year Aguilar, you know he'll get more yards more catches not i'm not saying it's going to be a probable year or anything but these guys are getting you know integrated more into the system they're getting more comfortable you know, things will open up for them. And I think they're being very careful with, like I said, bring in that many more new guys that it's, it's, it's a shock to the system sometimes. And at that point, there's too many holes to fill. Like you thought you had holes before. Well, now you still have holes because you got guys who can't pick it up right away, or this isn't the system that they're used to, or among many very like, you know, injuries, we could go on and on and on, which I think Shaq may have made this point. Injuries don't exist anymore. Apparently. You know, all these signings, none of these guys are going to get injured. It's not going to happen because they're all taking like crazy immunity shots before they, they join the team. They're just going to live forever. But I mean, these, I think people's perspectives about what makes an NFL team just got warped by the Rams winning the Super Bowl. This just everyone saw they, they broke the bank to go all in for one to two years, one to two years. I think they want a Super Bowl, great. They may have one more year left to really do that again. And I think all this stuff is going to catch up with them, whether it's people that retire, it's cap, it's, and yes, they can keep kicking the can down the road, but do you really want to do that? And all these franchises who are trading all their picks away to, to do this, they're, that's going to catch up with you. I mean, look at what they did with, you know, the, who's it, the Broncos, you know, with, um, no, not the Broncos. Oh, oh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Right. Um, yeah. Brown, with with all the first round picks, you don't have a first round pick till twenty twenty five. Now, that's mm-hmm. terrible. That sucks. And we've gone through it because we were penalized for it for for bullshit reasons. And that sucked. That that hurt us. I mean, people, if people recall, that really hurt us for a while because it messes up your whole draft. It really does when you don't have a first round pick. And then you, if you want the first round pick, you have to trade other picks to get in there or other players. I mean, people always say this doesn't catch up with people. It does. You just don't want to remember it. I mean, look at all the franchises where they went all in trying to be a dynasty and it didn't work. And now they're, they're pedestrian. You got the Eagles, you got the Seahawks, you got the Broncos, you got the Chargers even, you got the Colts. I mean, I could go on and on. Falcons, it, these are franchises that got to the pinnacle. They got broken. And never recovered because they put all their chips in there and it didn't work out for them. And, and when you win a championship, sometimes people want to come back and that, that is in your favor. People will take pay cuts. 
and all that works. And sometimes it doesn't. And, and people just want to remember the last thing they saw, which was the Rams winning the Super Bowl. And I think that's a lot that has to do with where, where we're at. And it's the opposite of what the Patriots do. And there's also more than one way to win. People need to understand that there's many different ways to win. And people just don't like the flavor of what Bill's trying to do. Wait, Bill, apparently it's not the Rams game that was that the turning point. It's the Buffalo-Kansas City game that apparently now it was the turning point to every owner in the, in the league saying, wow, I got to get a quarterback. Because the owners, they, they weren't trying to get quarterbacks before this game. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that Aaron Donald had the game-winning play in this year's Super Bowl. It was the Buffalo-Kansas City game that has changed dramatically the face of the NFL. Yes, because often games change the face of the NFL that do not determine the Super Bowl matchup, Super Bowl winner. Not, not, neither of those came from that game, but they redefined what winning looks like in the NFL when they didn't make the Super Bowl. It's what it really comes down to. And, you know, at this point, it's like, you know, we should have merch with it because I say it almost every other podcast. When the rest of the league zigs, Belichick zags. It's what he does because that's how you stay ahead of the curve because the game ebbs and flows. The game does change, but here's the thing. When you've got 10, like, you know, when you've got like nine, 10 teams that you're saying have these all globe, all championship quarterbacks, something is going to differentiate those teams. And in most cases, it ain't going to be the quarterback. And so they're going to need to, and that's why you're seeing this arms race in the AFC West, because I think that to, to be fair to those teams in the AFC West, they're going all in, but they're going all in all at the same time. And that I don't quite understand, but they are all going all in and they're realizing that they're trying to one up one another and they continue to do that. So I, I give them almost a modicum of credit for like choosing that model. And I don't blame the teams that are going all in right now. The Bills should be signing Von Miller to a large deal to try to get over the hump. The Chiefs should be trying to reload and extend and defer and move cap. The teams that I think are really dumb about this are teams like the Saints that are going in and moving cap money to try to fit Watson and deferring more to future years. If they're smart at this point, what they should do is not sign any more key free agents, go into a rebuild and use the 25 million or whatever they freed up in cap space, roll it over to take care of all the deferred money that they have in next season and have a reasonable reset to their salary cap. What the Patriots are looking to do right now is they've got a year two quarterback. They want to see who on the roster engages well with them. They want to see who develops on the defense. They want to see how the development is going so they can identify the people that become part of the long-term plan and part and who is going to be, you know, either a trade asset, somebody to let walk, et cetera. And part of the way you do that is by bringing back key players like McCourty and Slater and White to show the right way to do things, that Patriot way, and continue to show that and instill that in players and see who picks it up and who doesn't. And that's how you help make that determination. I'm going to go very John Madden. What the Patriots are doing with this offseason is they're setting the Thanksgiving table. They, they, they're hosting Thanksgiving and they're in, you know, they're making sure that they're inviting the core family members over early to help set up, to set the table, to talk, to do maybe bre do breakfast. We all know how that goes. Watch the parade in the morning. That's who they're inviting in early so that they can help set the table for the re for like the guests, the newcomers to this Thanksgiving dinner. And they're going to invite those people into their home. 
and show them, you know, show them a good time and have the, and see who integrates. And then it's who gets an invitation next year, who comes next Thanksgiving and who, who do we not have a seat at the table for? That's what they're doing with this offseason. This has last year us making the playoffs was the worst thing that could have happened with the shoe pissers because now that's an expectation that we made the playoffs. So we're going to be better next year. We're going to be divisional round or beyond. And they can't fathom that we're not building in the same way that a team with a 30 plus year old quarterback or, or who has traded a bunch of assets or, you know, is in that all in mode. We're not operating that way. We're going to operate that way probably a little bit more year four, year five of Max rookie deal, where we're going to put a little bit more towards seeing what, you know, building a really core team around him to make sure that like, he's the right fit to make sure that the team feels good, you know, and like they might hit home runs and not need to do that. Awesome. If they don't, but that's when you're going to see us be more aggressive in that world. We're not going to be aggressive in year two, because really what this year is about is developing Mac, developing the rapport with the receivers. And I put it out on Twitter, something like two of our receivers have like 20 some odd percent of max total yardage each. The two team, the two teams that had quarterbacks that threw over 5,000 yards, the two they had each had two receivers that went over a thousand, roughly the same percentage of you know the the total yardage that the quarterback threw for went to those receivers. So Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne operated in a similar way to a Williams Keenan Allen combo last season in terms of the volume. Now, am I saying they're Williams and Allen? No. But am I saying that do we need a large leap to have a really high functioning offense? No. So let's not try to like reinvent the wheel here. Let's just invite some people over this Thanksgiving and see if they get on the invite list for next year for, you know, for 2023. I think that's the goal. And if you can get a good team together, make a deep run, fantastic. They're going to put a competitive roster out there. They're not going to be four and 13. They're going to be competing for a playoff spot, you know, even without injuries. And then as injuries occur to all teams in the NFL, because they do, unless you're Ray Lewis using deer antler spray, then you're dealing with a roster that changes over time and the favorite for who's going to sort of slate into, you know, division winners and, you know, wild card spots and who's favorite over who changes with those injuries. I just got a lot hungrier uh, with that, that analogy. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you guys. <laughs> that was my goal with John Madden. <laughs> Wait, not, I'll not, bring you, the you, don't, you don't want to eat deer, deer antlers, Greg, do you, Mark? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, oh, okay. not, not the deer antler spread, just the Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. Uh, I, I, that's a good, uh, I should specify. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm in line with, uh, with, with everybody else here. I, I'm not surprised by the moves that they made. Did, did I specifically see a Shaq Mason trade coming? No, not it, the exact trade. But am I used to seeing Bill Belichick trade a player before we think that he's going to be leaving the roster? Yes, I, I, we're very used to seeing that. And what I'm seeing already is, again, complaints from Patriots fans saying, well, all they had to do was uh, make a, a simple conversion with uh, Judon's uh, salary and they would have cleared uh, six million in cap space. They could have kept uh, uh, Shaq. And, you know, first of all, shout out to Miguel uh, Pat's cap for always having that information handy uh, so that people can see that, uh, you know, what the Patriots can do to create cap space. But it's kind of a double-edged sword because then everyone's saying, well, listen, all you have to do are these three things, like they're, they're, they're cap experts. Well, the reason why the Patriots to this point are not doing that is because they want to avoid being the New Orleans Saints who 
by the way, have 28 players signed for 2023 and are already over the 2023 cap. Uh, so like they're going to have to do more maneuvering, uh, once they have enough players just to once again, be compliant. I don't know why that's a model. No consequences, no consequences. It's never caught up with them. No consequences. The, the Buffalo bills are going to have a a 15 and a half million dollar dead cap hit once Von Miller's off their roster, but, uh, you know, there's no consequences. Um, but well, don't get so, don't get me started on the Bills and that bald headed <laughs> asshole reporter Sal Capaccio, whatever his name is. He, oh God! It was I, you know it's funny that you you guys are saying this and, and and Mark about the you know what's going to happen to these guys. That it's almost like you know when uh, when you're in your twenties and you decide to go get wasted one night and they're like, oh, what about tomorrow? I was like, there is no tomorrow. We're gonna live forever. And it's like this is what these these franchises are just drunk right now doing all this if if i mean this is fun right now but people don't realize that at some point this is all gonna come down on you especially if you don't win so if you don't win the super bowl that's even worse i mean that that's what the saints have been doing they've been going all in over and over and over and they haven't been winning and at this point like you said next year is gonna be fucking that was even with the qb1 as they call it yeah yeah can i add that they're in trouble this year like can we talk about the fact that they don't have a quarterback can we talk about the fact that they're like making no. all this magical cap maneuvering and don't no, what have are you a talking about quarterback? scott zolak <laughs> scott zolak said they have they figured out how to get 80 million dollars in cap space so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, yes yes just go they, and, they, just go they, and sign they, a guy yeah they figured it out i i'm gonna get into cap stuff in my final thought as well but it, it's I, I definitely just I had to throw in that they they don't have a quarterback. They, they if they bring back Jameis Winston on a probably you know seven to ten million dollar contract, which is normally what a one year you know the Cam Newton deal essentially, that's sort of what you get at that veteran at, you know in that veteran spot. Do you want it, a guy who was like, accused of sexual assault, or did you you really want a guy accused of way more sexual assault? <laughs> Listen, they wanted Deshaun Watson. They, they, they wanted Deshaun Watson. They're going to get Deshaun Watson light in every way, shape, and form. It's fine. And, and that's what they're going to deal with. But, like, without Deshaun Watson, they're in cap hell and without a competitive roster. Like, that roster is not going to compete for, you know, now, and losing Peyton as well will hurt them. But you're talking that team is a, a you know, that team is a five to eight win team at max. Like eight wins would be an outstanding coaching job. And that's, you know, I never discount that coaching can lead to some wins. New head coach can always change some cultural stuff there in an organization. But you're talking that's an eight win team at a max. And, and th- then they're going to be over the cap next year. So what do they do? Like that, they're in a problem state right now. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no, there's no, uh, worse thing for Taysom Hill than Sean Payton leaving. Cause that's the one man in America who believed in him. Uh, that, that like that, that was the one man in, in the world who was like the biggest Taysom Hill fan was Sean Payton. But I mean, as it relates to the Patriots again, you know, what is annoying Patriots fans because they love shiny objects and uh, you know, our petulant children is the entire AFC West and, you know, much of the, you know, the rest of the NFL, they're engaging in this arms race at the same time, trying to one up with each other. It's, you know, the NFL version of keeping up with the Joneses and what the Patriots are doing. Like you pointed out, they're zagging. 
they're trying to improve on the margins. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, they, Gunnar Olszewski did not have the greatest year uh, as a returner last year after having a fantastic 2020. They decided to move on. They go and they get Ty Montgomery, who I think is going to be, I think that they're envisioning him, A, being, you know, Brandon Bolden's replacement, but also potentially being a guy who can return kicks for them. So, you know, they're, they're trying to improve there with a, a player with more experience. I know he had a famously bad return for Green Bay a few years back, but for the most part, it's been a solid returner. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're making, you know, they're essentially replacing two players there, and then they'll have an extra roster spot um, as opposed to Olszewski and uh, Brandon Bolden, who shout out to Brandon Bolden. I'll always love him. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, they, as of right now, yes, the, the picture is incomplete because they're not finished making their moves. You know, they could very well have had something lined up with one of the teams that was waiting on a Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, you know, they, they're by all accounts still waiting on, uh, you know, hearing what Trent Brown was offered uh, by Seattle uh, to potentially match that. So the picture is incomplete, but what they're looking to do is improve on the margins and improve again on what was a 10 win team could have been 12 wins uh, if another bounce or two went their way. And instead of trying to say, Oh, well, you know, X team X is doing this team Y is doing this. We need to, to keep up with them. They are putting their blinders on, which is what a bill Belichick led team has always done. And they're just trying to make improvements to what was a 10 win team a year ago. I think it's a good strategy and there's still a draft <laughs> where they're going to get a lot of players from. So Hey, Mark, uh, what do you mean that, that the Saints can't replace um, Sean Payton? All they have to do is hire Kevin James. I mean, he seems to be wanting to do that. Exactly. I still have not watched that movie. I, you couldn't pay me to watch it. Oh, my God. That was so terrible. But um, here's a tweet that's uh, aged well over the last week um, from a McKenna analysis, which, by the way, of course, when you put analysis at the end of your at, I mean, yeah, that means you, you're anal. Um, starting do to I need like, to get the abacus? Yeah, <laughs> you probably do. Starting all to right, feel I'm like ready. starting to feel like Patriots free agency plan has been alarm a lot of fans and radio personalities. Which that first sentence alone is an assuming sentence, saying that we're and and that really is like a leading thing. You're trying to enrage Patriots fans from that one sentence just by doing that. So I see your game, Henry. Um, the approach is likely to be the opposite of last year where Bill Belichick struggles not only to retain his pending free agents, wrong, but also to bring in big names. Cat space is, and he uses the gritting teeth emoji. So apparently, so when there's low cap space, Belichick struggles, but last year during the spending spree, Belichick was desperate and overpaid for everyone. I mean, heads I win, tails you lose. There's, there's no way he can win when you, when you put that type of, of, of take together. The abacus says that Belichick has made zero splashes this off season. I'm counting zero splashes. And we all know that splashes equal 7.27643% of all wins. And so that, that is a very dangerous precedent for Belichick to be setting. Uh, I recommend he make an immediate splash by overpaying for somebody so that we can overreact to the cost and move to that take as opposed to overreacting to not pay. Oh, and, and oh, I, I should, I should uh, be, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the, the, the asshole with the mustache, Warren Sharp, uh, he's a Belichick hater, clearly. And, you know, it, it, he's been proven 
absolutely wrong over the last year and a half. But he's another one that went on the party uh, talking about uh, again, and and a lot of this is the Brady the Brady effect as well. A lot of this is due to you know uh, you being a fan of Brady and wanting to discredit Bill Belichick because of whatever you perceive of problems that they had in their relationship towards the the last uh, two or three years of their tenure. And but he's, his account was the worst because you, you the, the people who claim to be smarter than what they are, but they're just like the rest of the hot takers that are, you know, plain old fans, but they just have uh, large followings. And by the way, Warren, you're, you're not an athlete, even though you claim to be on your website, you're not an athlete. You, you're not pre-Olympic or whatever he called himself on the website. You're not any of that. So stop lying to people. Yeah, that guy, uh, Warren Sharp, he uh, he hit whatever analytical program uh, he his companies developed. Basically, he tries to offer consulting services to all 32 teams. And basically, and he's actually made light of this at, at one point. I forget what podcast I listened to, the, to that he was on where he was insufferable. He will actually be pretty obvious uh, in how he criticizes a team that does not use his services. So that's definitely, uh, you know, we were talking about biases. That's the third type of bias uh, is Warren Sharp bias, because if you don't use his service that is infallible, he thinks that everything you do is shit. Yeah. So um, I want to get to this story, which broke uh, a few hours ago, just before we, we uh, discussed about this. And um, again, one of these, these back to, the bloggers, you know, who are just, who have this, who seem to have this, have the fan base hypnotized that they, they know more than Bill Belichick. And I'm talking about Evan Lazar. I played the uh, lizard um, sound effects uh, for the cold open because uh, it's just, he has an effect. Like his, his, his account is blown up over the last couple of years. And I'm not sure why, uh, but I just, I really believe that fans have, have gotten, uh, they've gotten so they talked themselves into him being this expert on film and these film an- analysis people, who again they big up themselves as 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 knowing everything, but they really are just liars. Um, so the tweet that that really just started started it all was, and it, this wound up being deleted was. Uh, let me see if I can get the screenshot. Uh, or does anyone here have the screenshot? Because I may not have it. But oh, I do have it. I'm an idiot. Um, the Patriots had some discussions with Coral Patterson about a reunion per a league source. But stop me if you've heard this before. They wouldn't compete with the money Patterson got from the Falcons. So it's just a lot of conjecture. It's a lot, and and it's it's again, it's the sandwich. It's it's pressing between a league source. So he's deferring it to someone else. And obviously he can't, he won't or can't say who that is, but it's, it's this interest, it's these interest tweets that a lot of these mediates have been t- putting out there. And again, they, these tweets mean nothing because every team has interest in players. Every team, at least the good teams do their um, due diligence to look at all the free agents and look at all available players. So that's nothing new, but <laughs> almost immediately Coral Patterson himself tweets out that 
you know, basically saying, F the money. <laughs> Atlanta was where I wanted to be in the first place. So that takes a complete dump on Lazar's tweet. But of course you have the idiots who are saying, oh, well, no, it doesn't. It's, it doesn't prove that. It, it doesn't prove that. It only proves that it, it proves him right. Well, then Patterson again uh, tweets out a, a comment under Evan Lazar's tweet, under the initial tweet, saying that they didn't. And now there are people who are saying, oh, well, Cordero Patterson is saying that the Patriots didn't call. Well, how do you, first of all, how do you know that? You're not assuming that. Or, and then secondly, Patterson is just saying that, I, what I believe he's saying is that, no, they, they didn't, it wasn't about the money, which is what he said in his, in his first tweet. It was about him wanting to be an Atlanta Falcon. So the Patriots having, you know, this discussion and then, and then Lazar doubled, well, he doesn't double down. He apologizes. And then he says, well, the interest was minimal. Well, minimal. <laughs> that, that means that, that there was some interest. So but where did we get now? Now the interest is a scale. Now, like, I guess it, it's between, you know, absolutely. I, I, I want to take my clothes off for you and, or I could care less about him. I guess that's where the standard is. So uh, talk about this. What do, you, what do you think about um, this specific situation? And then it ties back to our initial thoughts about, you know, them feeding the beast, them feeding the fan base anger. They might have committed some light treason. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, like, that, that's what I'm getting from this is, is late treason vibes. And it's, it's just so stupid. It's at the end of the day, I'm going to be super brief on this, but I, I think Lazard is, you know, doing that thing that, you know, people do to seem self-important, really exaggerate. Um, I, I, I really feel like he's, you know, exaggerating to seem important. And the reason he deleted is because he got owned by the player and the player feeling like they had to come out and say something in public to address that speaks to one quarter. Uh -oh, the the don't, don't, don't do like 985 oh, now. Uh oh, I clarified that it was Patterson. Don't worry. <laughs> I used his name like a human, <laughs> but uh, he, Patterson came out and said that because of his respect for the Patriots organization, probably Belichick. And not wanting there to be misinformation about there not being something on par for a reunion or what have you. Like he wanted to be upfront about like, this is being misrepresented because he has a lot of respect for the franchise. And that's when a player has to do that. It's really when they speak about a franchise that that player has a lot of respect for. We see it from time to time. It's not frequent when a player comes out and denies a report like that. And when they do, we should listen because it definitely is damning of a lot of players when that occurs. Uh, Mark, how about you? Uh, what do you think about all this that went down this afternoon? I Cordero Patterson spent one year here, but he continues to find ways to make me love him. Uh, I, I absolutely love this uh, this dunk on uh, on Evan Lazar, and you know, I wish more players would do this. I think that it would really discourage the media from trying to you know plant all these hot takes for clicks, knowing that someone might call them out on it. Uh, you know, they don't have to, obviously they, you know, they know where the truth lies. So uh, why, you know, a, you know, lion doesn't uh, concern himself with the opinions of sheep. Uh, so, you know, he, he didn't have to do this, but I love that he did. And Lazar is one of these guys who 
I, he, I, he seems like he was one of those guys who was just doing a lot of like film breakdown on Twitter where he would pretend that he knew what he was talking about. He would, he would purchase uh, like the all 22 and he'd be like, yeah, this is a great route here. Uh, you know, it undercuts the safety, like tr- trying to s- sound smart using buzzwords, like yeah, the, the receivers gaining separation. You And then you have like the people who will just. He swivels use, his hips. Yeah. You have these people who will just like, gobble that up and they will uh and, and they'll just repeat like i never heard separation used as as something well patriots receivers lack the ability to separate now i see it all over the place like people just like eat that up now and they just use all this jargon and i feel like that's how lazar got his start he was like a a film analysis guy trying to be like a poor man's orlovsky who was like a poor man's version of uh of baldinger um and you know, he's gotten, you know, like we were talking about earlier, one of these guys just wants to to build a base and he, you know, he, he twists in his, uh, his little hot take along with him. Stop me. If you heard this before, they could, Patriots weren't going to spend the money. Like just report what you have allegedly heard. And in this case, you didn't hear something. You either heard something that was very wrong uh, or you didn't hear anything. And you made it up, but why don't you just report the news and move on? You will have, far more respect in the long run if you just report what you're hearing. Dan, wrap this up for us. I'll just say, I mean, <clears throat> I think Evan got what was coming to him for a long time. Um, and to Mark's point, I thought the same exact thing earlier. Is like, I wish this happened more. I mean, it happened a little bit at the beginning of the week with Ben Bolin and Judon. And Judon came and dunked on him. And he was just like, hush up. I'm trying to recruit it. Unless you're going to tell me to recruit and just shut up. Like him, his whole little take about no one wants to come play for the Patriots. So <clears throat> I think a lot of these guys who interject their opinion too much, they have it coming. I mean, you shouldn't, your job isn't to, I don't care what, I don't, I don't care. I, I mean, I don't even pay anything to read anyone's opinion, but if, if you were paying for that, I don't want to hear your opinion. I want you to hear what, you know, proprietary information you have that the next guy doesn't have. I think that's information is more important to me than whatever the fuck your opinion is. And you've probably never played a down of football in your friggin' life. Like you, you're going to tell me Evan Lazar has played, you know, <laughs> in a football game before, like don't insult it. And, and that's for me being a former football player, like even at the collegiate level, like hearing what people say about when, when players are trash or, um, you know, you know, insulting a player, insulting just like what goes on with a football team, never mind a professional football team, which I have no insight to. I just have seen what I've seen as a fan for years. I can't, you can't begin to say, you know, better than the people have done this, have lived and breathed it for a guy. Like I know we're, we're putting Bill on a pedestal here, but for a guy who's literally lived and breathed it his entire life, through his dad with Navy and then all the coaching teams. He's been a part of some of the greatest teams ever. He's been like the giants, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, to say that you think, you know, more than him, just because he's, he's aged beyond 70 years old is ageist. First of all. And second of all, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone being above 70 and still he's, he's probably, smarter than you still he's sharper than everyone he's sharper than me probably um and and he just yes i think the biggest thing is oh he's put these guys around him who are yes men like patricia and judge 
Um, he's putting guys like his own, his own sons. So he's got like this, this posse around him for his coaching staff that will just agree to everything and can't stand up against him. And it's like, or he's just looking for a culture that's comfortable to know he can trust people and make decisions without worrying about what someone else is doing. Um, and I think Gerard Mayo is another example of that he, he trusts him. He knows he's going to make the right decisions. And if he doesn't, oh, well, you move on. He, you don't think he's ever he's never had coaches before under him that have made the wrong decisions. So I, I think, like, back to Evan, I mean, I think he's, like, you know, he, he I think at the first he meant well and he was doing his job, not, not today, we're talking about years ago when he first came onto the scene, he seemed very hungry. He seemed like he was really trying to get in. And now I think he's, he's figuring out that if you're not, if you don't do hot takes and you don't do these things that shock and awe, you're not going to get the clicks. You're not going to get the attention. You're not going to get the success. So I think that's a big part of it now is people are willing to not sell their soul, but in a way lose all their dignity to, to do these types of things. So yeah. And, and I saw Mark just put, we're tanking. I I've, I've seen Bill doesn't want to compete. I've heard before. He's just mailing it in to collect his, his giant paycheck. Um, guys, th- these guys live and breathe and are hurt when they lose games. They're hurt when they make mistakes. You don't think they care like that. That is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. And, and to act like, they don't want to. They don't want to compete the same way other people are competing. Like the zig and zag thing. Just because they're choosing a different way doesn't mean they want it any less. They're just being smarter about it and they're thinking about it differently. But back to the whole report thing. He got what was coming to him. Have some, eat some crow, you little shit. Like, I I, I want more players to do it. Like Mark said. Yeah, absolutely. More players should do that because it would keep them humble and keep them honest. You know, like Kendrick Lamar says, sit down, be humble. That's what these media people should do. You're not bigger than than what you are. Um, let's get the final thoughts. And my final thoughts can be real quick. So if you're uh, if you're not interested in what I'm about to say, you can fast forward the next probably 30 seconds. But um, I'm going to go the mothership route. I'm going to talk a little bit of pop culture. I'm a game show fan. So I want to talk about uh, uh, Ken Jennings is not on the chase anymore. So I think what this means is he's going to be the new host of Jeopardy. And I think it's a great move because Ken Jennings has, has made has made the show his own. And I don't, I don't think anybody would do that. And they deserve to have something like that because the last year and a half of, of, of Jeopardy has been an absolute shit show. And they deserve to have some peace. And I think Ken Jennings is the one to bring that. That's all. That's my final thought. <laughs> uh, Bill, you get it. Well, that might be the first thing we actually disagree about, Shaq. I'm not going to go <laughs> okay. down the Ken Jennings route, but I am a big anti-Jennings guy for Jeopardy! host. So I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. That's a, right. a convo for another day. Um, but jumping into my final take, I really want to hit on the cap. And people like most things, and I think Dan had on this earlier, nuance is lost on people. It, it just is. There's cap is crap. And if you don't believe cap is crap, then you believe that everyone is hamstrung every single year. And that's not what the cap is. That it is, if it's a, if it a hard cap, it was more like the NHL cap outside of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, hiding injured players. That's a more firm cap. This is a much more malleable cap. And that's true. But it's malleable in, but in your 
kicking the future down, you know, you're kicking the can down the road to pay the piper later. The key to good cap management is one, not having to kick the can down the road much. That's why people are harping on the Saints. Two, your players being good into the end of their contract. So they're worth the accelerated cost if you restructure. That's when you're not going to feel pain on it. If we restructured Judon this year and got 6.5 million additional cap space or whatever it would have been this year, great. As long as he's good the next three, four years. You know, I, I forget if he was a four or a five year deal, but regardless, if he's good through the life of his contract, he's worth it at the last year of the deal, the last two years of the deal where we're kicking up the cost a little bit. Great. When people aren't worth it or the cost is so high that it's impossible for any player to be worth that cost is when you start to manage the roster poorly. When you've got 23 players on your roster, like the Saints, who will be over the cap in 2023, you've mismanaged the cap to a large extent. And what you're going to require at some point is a hard reset of the cap. And what people fail to realize is that the Cam Newton year was a hard cap reset year for us. We didn't have to do it there. We could have kicked it down more. We could have, but that's why they went the route they did. They wanted to do a hard cap reset so that they could set the stage to draft a rookie quarterback or to bring in a young quarterback and bring in talent around them and have them come into a culture that was positive and, you know, building towards winning. They didn't want to be hamstrung when they got to the end of the quarterback's first contract because if that happened, why is that quarterback going to stay? Why is that quarterback going to stay when somebody else might have $90 million in cap space and be able to sign their best buddies from other teams that could come and join them? That's what we're talking about with the cap. So when people are saying the cap isn't crap, just know that it's the truth. Just understand that the cap is super malleable and no one's disagreeing with that. But what they're saying is the Piper does get paid and the people who mock the Piper getting paid are ignoring the example, like the Chiefs not being able to bring back Tyron Matthew. That, that, that's a cap casualty. You know it is. How about the Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Amari Cooper is a Brown, and very possibly Deshaun Watson is now a Brown because the Cowboys couldn't afford Amari Cooper. Like that, that's the reality of the situation. They don't want to get rid of a talented wide receiver like Amari Cooper. He's one of the best root runners in the league. But they had to because of the cap. They had to because they had hamstrung themselves into a position where they could not make it as malleable as they needed to that year. That's where the cap bites you. And that's where it's going to bite several of these teams that are going all in in the long run. And that's what's going to allow the Patriots to strike in a market where several teams might be dealing with cap pains that they won't be. So cap is not crap. Cap is just malleable. And you pay the piper in the long run if you're looking to extend it and, and end up engaging in bad deals. That's my final thought. Just there's nuance to the cap. People should just learn to understand that. On the bingo car, I haven't uh, described the gift yet. So I'm going to describe the schools jumping into the lake of money. And that's basically what everybody thinks that, that is. So, yeah, well said, Bill. Uh, Mark, what's your final thought? So uh, first and foremost, uh, thank you to all three of you for having me on uh, today. It's been a lot of fun talking football. Um, I am a hockey guy at heart, first and foremost. Uh, so my final thought 
uh, will just be shout out to Mr. Don Sweeney for pulling off a hell of a move earlier this evening for defenseman Hampus Lindholm, pulled off a trade with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, another executive who is far too maligned in the city of Boston, Don Sweeney, uh, mainly be based on one draft seven years ago. Uh, so shout out to uh, Don Sweeney, who continues to do what he needs to to keep the Bruins competitive. And uh, they'll make another run at the cup this year, hopefully. Uh, and he's really preparing them for that. So I was very jacked up to see uh, the acquisition of Hamp Hampus Lindholm. I was actually not to pat myself on the back. I've been trying to speak this particular move into existence for like the last week. So uh, it was kind of cool to see it uh, pulled off. So shout out to Donnie. Or you keep us hyper local. That's what you're keeping us. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Dan, you're a cleanup hitter. What you got? Final thoughts. I just want to say um, that, you know, with everything that's going on in free agency, if people actually took the time to go look at what free agents are still available, there are so many players that are still available. I mean, I think we're just in a day and age where there's so much young talent that's clicking faster when they come into the league people are trying to be younger and faster which i think a part of that all that those themes leads to a lot of still decent free agents being available and i think unfortunately there's going to be a lot of guys that don't land spots that can still play in my opinion uh if you go and take a look at, i'm looking at like spot track tracker for instance just it's like there's so many and a lot of guys i would love the patriots to look at but I'm going to make my pitch right now for one in particular uh, for the Patriots to sign. It's total bias if you want to talk about bias. But going back to my homegrown roots, someone that played for my high school alma mater, uh, I went to University of Maine. But if the Patriots could look at Pat Ricard to come play, he was a Baltimore multiple-time pro bowler uh, to play fullback now that we don't have Jacob Johnson or um, obviously James Devlin's gone. And I really am not too keen on, no pun intended, Dalton Keene taking over that position um, or doing something with Jonah Smith with that. Please now let him let him do other things. Um, I think Pat Ricard may be the perfect guy for the Patriots, home home, you know, hometown guy. Um, he can play D tackle if you really need him. He was, that was his bread and butter for for years coming up. Uh, but he's turned into an amazing fullback, not just with blocking, but with catching and running the ball when you need it on the goal line. So I would just say make football thick again, Pat as thick as hell, go Pats, get Pat. That's, that's perfect. So Pat for Pat, I like it a lot. And yeah, if they picked up a fullback, regardless if it was Pat, um, I just want them, I know that there's going to be the memes and, and the, Oh, they picked up a fallback. So I want that to happen too. So just, just to enrage the fan, the, the lemmings and mouth breathers even more. So that would be great. Uh, so uh, this is, this is, a, I guess this has been a podcast. Uh, uh, you, you guys knocked it out of the park tonight. Uh, I, I guess next week, um, you know, I, there's going to be a game next week, according to all the media people. So I guess we'll be talking about a game. I don't know who, who the Patriots are playing, but they're playing somebody and they're going to lose. So we'll, we'll just have to watch and see what happens. But uh, I guess until then um, you can follow uh, Dan on Twitter at Judon Sack Lunch. Uh, Bill is at the Fib 0624. Mark is at Mark Paselli 13, P I S E L L I. And I'm Shaq. I'm at Atomic Dog 5150. And until next time, turn off your radio, slugs. <laughs>